As you dive into this teaching from High Point Church, we pray that it will help you grow in your faith as you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus. If these messages bless you, would you consider giving back in support of this ministry? You can give and learn more about High Point at www.highpoint.church. Limits, boundaries, borders. When we're children, they're set for our good. So lost. To protect us, to keep us safe. How did something that was meant for our good and our protection, limits, come to define us? Am I good enough? What about my career? Did I lead a good life? When did the limits of someday when become the lid that closed so tightly on our already restricted boxes? Did I love my family enough? I'm never going to be good enough. Am I good enough? When did outside voices, opinions, hurts, and disappointments become the borders that limited our dreams? Only I was more beautiful. When will I be? I thought I knew my path, but... Yet something inside each of us longs for more. For life beyond our limits. For possibilities that are waiting. Waiting for you to reach out to seize. So the question is, are you willing to take that step? Trust God as we embark on a journey of limitless influence, limitless opportunity, limitless potential, and limitless legacy. As we trust our limitless God, churches planted, leaders developed, communities transformed, care centers expanded, global outposts established, all while leaving a gospel legacy to the next generation. This is faith without borders, hope without boundaries, love without barriers. This is what God can do. This is Limitless. All right, so when I was uh, probably about 12 years old, I was in junior high for sure, my dad sat me down and he wanted to share this very important lesson with me. He was trying to get through to me and he goes, okay, let me teach you about this thing called compound interest. Anybody? He was kind of a math guy. And so he's like, let's say there's one woo for compound interest. That's great. And so he sits me down and he goes, okay, it's kind of simple to understand. If you just take a small amount of money now and you, you invest that and then, and then just leave it. And then over a long period of time, it becomes a much bigger amount of money. I was like, that sounds pretty good. And so he goes, we're going to take some of your lawn mowing money. He goes, I want you to see this real time. And so he opened up a, an E-Trade account. I don't know if that company even still exists. And we took some of my lawn mowing money. We, we, we put it in the account because he wanted me to experience and see how that could grow over time. Now, 2020 year, 2021 was a difficult year for some. It was a great year for others. Here, here's some of the top returns that came in in 2021. Does anybody remember this one, GameStop? Remember this whole ordeal? Everybody on Reddit is like freaking out. And then there's like a short squeeze going on. And they had over 800% returns. It's crazy. Then there's this company called Upstart. This is the second uh, largest return that existed last year. They're a lending company. And what they did is they're figuring out how to use artificial intelligence to figure out how worthy you would be, how your credit is, to see if they should lend to you or not, or what percent to give you or not. They grew by over 300% last year. And then I'm not sure in 2021 what could have helped this healthcare company spike, but have you heard of this one? <laughs> Moderna? They grow, grew by 193% last year. 
Now, until I saw this, I was kind of feeling good about my like 11% or whatever it's doing right now. And then I saw these returns and I was like, man, I'm invested in the wrong areas. Question for today. I mean, how can we experience that level of exponential multiplication? How can you and I experience in our life some spiritual compounding interest? I'm not talking about financial growth. I'm not talking about corporate growth. I'm talking about how can you and I, spiritually speaking, see multiplication and growth in our lives? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're continuing our limitless study. If you have your limitless guide with you today, grab that. Who's got the limitless guide? Come on, throw them up in the air. All right, well done, well done. Uh, and maybe this is your first week and you're like, what are these people talking about? Well, we have some ushers right now. They would love to get one into your hand. There's some out uh, in the lobby as well, but this is a great place. Be taking your notes, going through your growth group study. We're going to go, go to page 54, page 54. We're in week five of our study, and we're looking at Mark chapter eight. Mark chapter eight, how can you and I experience spiritual multiplication? Starting in verse one. In those days, when again a great crowd had gathered, and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd, because they've been with me now for three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, I mean, man, they, they might faint on the way. Some of them have come from very far away. And his disciples answered him, how can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? And he asked them, well, how many loaves do you have? They said seven. And he directed the crowd to sit on the ground and he took the seven loaves and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And they set them before the crowd and they had a few small fish and having blessed them, he said that these two should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full, and there were about 4,000 people. And he sent them away and immediately got into the boat with his disciples. I want to share with you five spiritual reminders today for multiplication in your life. Well, why reminders? Well, Limitless isn't just this sermon series that's going to be done in a couple weeks. Limitless is a two-year journey that we're going on together as a church. And I don't know about you, but, but as time passes and things goes on, man, I need some reminders to tether me and bring me back to the things that are true of God. Here's our first reminder. God always sees our need. Meaning God's not caught off guard by anything. Uh, God's not asleep at the wheel. God, God knows exactly what's going on. God didn't wake up and go, whoa, 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 there's a war going on in Ukraine? Uh, God didn't look back at the, the last two years and said, oh man, I kind of fell asleep for a portion of that. You guys doing okay? God knows intimately what you're bringing into this room today or as you tune in online the struggle, the difficulty, the things that you're walking through, the, the need that seems like a need that, man, I, I just don't know how this need could possibly be met in my life. He sees our needs. Now, maybe this story I just read is one, you're like, man, I think I've heard of that before. And there's like, there's a lot of people, 4,000, 5,000 people or something like that. And, and we learned last week, we just got a, a snippet at the feeding of the 5,000 that just like all these miracles we've been studying is that what Jesus does is he comes and he meets a physical need 
as a symbol, as a picture, as a reminder of what he can do spiritually inside of us. That God can change you, he can save you. Now, skeptics have tried to look at the feeding of 4,000, 5,000, and they've tried to be like, hey, you know what? The, see, there's contradictions in the Bible. The stories don't line up. There's more people in this one. There's more people in that one. One said they had five loaves. One said they had seven loaves. One said they had two fish. One said they had a few fish. I mean, how, how can you trust the Bible? It, it, it contradicts itself. The stories don't line up. You're right. The stories don't line up. Want to know why? They're two different events. These are two different stories. The feeding of the 5,000, we see it in, in all four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but feeding the 4,000, we only see it in Mark and in, and in Matthew. And why, why is the distinction important? Well, to start, it says that Jesus had compassion on them. He had compassion on the crowd. Okay, so we actually saw that in the feeding of the 5,000 as well, but here's the difference. It was about the audience. The crowd in the feeding of the 5,000 was predominantly Jews. Now, the Jewish people would think that their savior is gonna come for them and only them. They are the chosen people. The feeding of the 4,000, we see something very different. It was likely a mixed crowd, but it was predominantly Gentiles. And they lived in a very divisive time, likely more divisive than the days we're living in today. And so for Jesus to come and say, I have compassion on them and I have compassion on them. It's not just about the miracle that Jesus is about to do. Jesus is making a statement that says, the kingdom of God is for all people. All are welcome in and I have compassion over all of the people. It's an amazing picture, yes, of his power. Yes, is of his provision. But it's an amazing picture of who Jesus came for that the kingdom of God would be for all. And this is, a, this is a theme for Jesus. Let's define it. We'll go old school. We'll go the Webster's dictionary on this. Compassion, it's a sympathetic consciousness of others distressed together with a desire to alleviate it. You see, sympathy would be, wow, well, I feel bad for them. When Jesus says, I have compassion, he's saying, no, 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 I have a desire to do something about it, that I care about you so much, I love you so much. That, that I want to help. And so it's interesting to me, just in these first few verses, that what does Jesus have compassion about? He actually has compassion about their physical needs. This is something that I think that we as a church and the church at large that we need to remember is that physical needs and spiritual needs uh, being met simultaneously. That's why I love what God is doing in our care centers and even through this limitless initiative that we would put our care centers at the front and center, literally and figuratively of this ministry. Why? That we would be a church. We would be a people. We have compassion. We have compassion on those in our community. We, we care for those in our community. And so Jesus, don't miss it. The spiritual is there. Did you see it? They were with them three days. That had to been some pretty good teaching for 4,000 people to sit around for three days not eating. I mean, that would be pretty good. I mean, 30 minutes in high school into like algebra one, I'm like, I'm out of here, you know? Three days. Spiritual needs, spiritual needs, spiritual. Wait, 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 wait. We can't let them go and not feed them. We can't let them go and not meet their physical needs because compassion looks to be physical and spiritual needs 
simultaneously. We actually see Jesus do this all over, use that phrase, I have compassion, I have compassion, I have compassion. We can't turn to all of them, but let's turn to a few of them. He has compassion for the lost. Look what he says here in Matthew 9, because they were harassed and helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. I have compassion on them. Compassion for the sick. Maybe that's you or a family member or a friend and the diagnosis has come or you're waiting to get a report back. And look, at he saw a great crowd again here. He has compassion. What did he do? He healed them. That our God is a God who heals. He has compassion on the, the needy. Oh, what does he do? He comes up to this blind person and he, he, he touches their eyes and immediately they regain sight and they followed him. And he has compassion on the, the grieving. Again, maybe that's you today. My hope and my heart is that you would experience the compassion of Jesus, that you would recognize in your time of grieving, in your time of that person you lost, that person that's no longer in your life for a variety of reasons, that he had compassion on them. Now, there in Luke 7, if we can put that back up, that was a mom who had just lost her son and she had previously lost her husband. And so you see this widow that lost the only other man in her life that might be able to take care of her in her older age and had compassion and say, hey, don't go on weeping. I'm here with you. You see, compassion, it's what drove Jesus. What's behind these miracles? Why is this so important? Why are we looking at this? Why are we tuning in online to, to go to this text? Because we need to remember again, the compassion is the thing that drove people that drove him to care for people and care for their needs. Well, here's the second reminder. God does the impossible that we can't. Now, verse four, it goes on to say, and his disciples, they answered him. I mean, how can, how can one feed these people with bread in this desolate place? They're like, Jesus, I mean, can I just remind you, uh, we don't really have any food. It's kind of a lot of people. So what's your plan? What, what are we going to do here? And this little verse actually comforts me so much. Do you want to know why? They, decided, they were so sincere. They were like, Jesus, I mean, how can we do it? Oh, how is this even possible? Now, here's why it comforts me. Remember I told you the feeding the 5,000, feeding the 4,000, two different events? They had already experienced the feeding of the 5,000 at this point. More people, they had less resource at the time, and here they are again. Jesus is about to do the exact same miracle. And they're like, yeah, but Jesus, like how? <laughs> like what if verse four was something like, wow, Jesus, remember that time a little ways back? And you know, remember we didn't have that much. They like all got fed. It was awesome. Let's do that again. How are we going to do it? And did you forget that little detail? Before we beat the disciples up too much, you and I do it too. That we see a breakthrough from God and we see him show up in our lives in miraculous ways. And we see that thing that we were praying for and he gave us clarity. And we see the hand of God move in our midst and, and we praise him in the moment. And not too long after another crisis or another concern comes or the circumstances of life hit us and we go, oh, what am I going to do? How am I going to get out of this? I do it. My guess is you do it as well. Then what do we do? We forget 
God's promises and provision. We forget all the ways he's walked with us and provided for us, all the ways when God shows up and he does the things that we can't. And the disciples forgot again too. In Jeremiah 32, he's praying to God and he's praying for understanding and he's praying for clarity. And look what God says to Jeremiah. Behold, I am the Lord. The God of all flesh is anything too hard for me, Jeremiah? Hey, disciples, is anything too hard for me? Hey, High Point Church, is anything too hard for our God? No. Right after my sister graduated from college, she was 22, and she moved to Tanzania, Africa on her own. And she went there to serve this orphanage that she had had a connection with. And so just to get this picture in your head, imagine a six foot white girl in pink Nikes running through an African city. And she's there by herself right after she graduated. And so Sarah and I were newly married and we decided, let's go visit. This is a great opportunity. And so we're going we're gonna to go to Tanzania. We're going to see her, stay with her. And then um, there's an island in Tanzania that, that's amazing called Zanzibar. And we were like, hey, if we're gonna fly all the way there, we should go check out Zanzibar. This place is supposed to be amazing. So we get to Zanzibar and we stay in this tiny little, it was like an eco hut. It was like up on stilts and a thatched roof, but it was amazing, it was right on the beach. And so there's little like shutter doors that you could open and like the ocean's right there, it was incredible. But what we noticed is every single day that the fishermen, they were fishing close by, that they would, as the, the tide was high, they'd get in their boats, they'd go out to fish, they'd catch their fish, come back, tie up their boats. And what we didn't know is in Zanzibar, they have extremely big tides. And so the, the amount of, of water that, that comes in and comes out, I mean, it could be 50, 100 feet, 150 feet, huge tides. And so here's what would happen at low tide is that all of these boats would just be sitting on the sand. They'd just be sitting on the beach. And as I thought about this picture this week and thought about that trip, and as I think about the disciples right now and when they're like, but Jesus, what are we gonna do? I feel like this is akin to if these fishermen, that this is what they do professionally, would come out to this scene and they would go, guys, what are we gonna do? I mean. Our boats are all beached and there's no way we can carry them all down. I mean, this is my livelihood. This is how we care for our family. I mean, well, we got to solve this. Be preposterous. Guys, we do this every day. The tide goes out and the tide comes back in every single day. This is the plan. This is what happens. And I feel like some of you today have probably walked in or joined us online and, and man, you're feeling like the tide is pretty far out in your life. And can I remind you again that God will do what he always does, which is he shows back up to let the tide of Jesus come back in in your life and be reminded again of who he is when we forget, when we, when we doubt, when we wonder how, how is this gonna be possible this is what Jesus does. This is who Jesus is. And the disciples, I mean, they just weren't quite getting it yet. But if I can be honest, for you and me, for us as a church family, we're still learning together what it fully means to embrace serving and loving our limitless God. That he's got you, that he's 
for you. If you're here today and you're like, man, gotta be honest, like, I don't know how I'm gonna make, make it through this and I don't have the answers and I don't have it solved and I don't know what to do. If that's you, you're actually in an amazing place spiritually. Wanna know why? Because you are perfectly set up to have a posture of, of surrender and reliance on God and then to step back and go, wow, God, I can't wait to see what you're going to do. Because he will show up. Look what A.W. Tozer says. God is looking for those with whom he can do the impossible. What a pity, church, that we plan only the things that, that we can do by ourselves. Let it not be true of us. As we talk about this bold, limitless vision, as we talk about what God is doing in you, would it not be true of us at High Point Church that we make a bunch of plans and put a bunch of things in order that we can go accomplish? And trust me, God's gonna use you to go and accomplish some great things. But would we be a church where we're believing God, looking to God to see him do the impossible? Here's another reminder. We're talking about what are some reminders we need along the way on this limitless journey? Uh, Reminders that are gonna lead to spiritual multiplication. God works with what we bring. Now notice it doesn't say God works with what we have. Why? Uh, Because it's not about how much we have and and sometimes what it is 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 our things have us and we tend to hoard them in insecurity and in safety. We say, well, no, I, I have this. It's what do we bring to God? What do we bring of ourselves? What do we bring of our giftings? What do we bring about the posture of our hearts? You see, it's a shift. It's a shift from a scarcity mentality to an abundance mentality. A scarcity mentality says, I don't know if God is infinite and I don't know if he has me. And and an abundance mentality says, hey, it all comes from him first. Anyway, he created me after all. He knows the innermost parts of my heart and soul. And he's an infinite God. He's a limitless God. God wants to do a work in you and through you today. Let's see it in the miracle. Verse five. Okay, so Jesus comes to them. He says, so how many loaves do you have? They go, okay, we have seven. And it says later that they have a few small fish. Uh, But it's interesting here. It says, so he takes these loaves, he broke them and gave them to his disciples after he had given thanks. Now, these verbs, not to go too deep into it, but in the Greek are actually really interesting because this word broke, when he broke the bread, it's actually a word that the root means decisive action. That Jesus took decisive action. And then this word that he gave them out, it's actually a word that that talks more about it being continuous. So you can interpret it something along the lines of he continued to to give. That he gave over and over. He he kept on giving. So I think if we wanted to summarize uh, verse six, and if you want to write this down in your limitless guide, Jesus took decisive action to keep on giving. Jesus took decisive action. Why? Because he had compassion. That he's going to keep on giving, that I have compassion for the people, that I'm going to take decisive action to keep on giving. If you've been around High Point any length of time, you've heard us say this phrase over and over and over again. You can't outgive God. You heard us say that? Why do we say that all the time around here? Well, because it's true. 
Do you know that I have yet to hear the testimony of the person that comes up front after the service and says, you know what? I wanted to tell you, I came before Jesus, fully surrendered. I gave him my whole heart. I said, God, use me to do whatever you want to do with my life. I gave back of my resources. I gave back of my talents. I gave back. And do you know that like, Jesus just dropped me, man. He dropped the ball in my life. I don't think he got the memo. I have yet to hear that testimony. And yet week after week after week after week, we hear testimonies of people saying, man, as I came before Jesus, fully surrendered, giving him whatever I have. In this scenario, it wasn't very much. Can we all agree on that? I'll just give you whatever I have, Jesus, and you you do what what you're going to do. I know for some of you, you're kind of feeling like in your own life, you're like, man, kind of feel like I got a few loaves and a couple fish and not much more to offer if you knew the financial landscape of my life, or I don't feel like I have much to give, or maybe you allow the enemy to have a seat at your table and begin to tell you that, you know what, I don't think God's going to really use you to do anything big in this world. And you just let those voices keep telling you, I don't, I don't think I have anything to offer the kingdom of God. Or maybe you look at the, the needs around you and you go, man, they're so overwhelming. I don't even know where to start. I mean, there's a war in Ukraine and, and my neighbor's going through this and I got a family member through this. And man, that limitless vision is a bold vision. And how could we possibly do that? And you feel like the needs are far too great and you have far too little. Well, I can't wait to get to the end of this story. Because if that's you and those are your concerns, they're legitimate concerns. But if I can tell you, you're in pretty good company today. You're in the company of the disciples. They were like, how are we going to do this? And I, I don't know. And I'll say it like this. We serve a God who multiplies abundantly every offering we bring before him. Whatever offering it is. We serve a God who multiplies abundantly every offering we bring before him. For the past couple months, we've been sharing with you this limitless vision and talking about, you've seen commitment cards and events and things like that. And we've said, hey, we're not asking you to do anything right now except, except to pray and meet with God and get in your growth groups and be, be studying through God doing the impossible and believe again that God wants to do something in you and through you and we haven't asked you to do anything. Well, guess what? We're going to ask you to do something. And here's what we're asking is, I, I can't believe it, but it's here already. Advanced Commitment Night is this Friday night. Advanced Commitment Night is going to be a powerful time when I hope you've been hearing from God over the last couple months when we're going to gather together and we're going to say, God, God, I want to put my yes on the table. I want to bring before you my first and my best. And, and I want to see this wild spiritual adventure that you're going to take me on over the next couple years. And we're going to be meeting right up the road at the Donata house in Wheaton. And, and don't think banquet. Don't think this is a worship experience. We're going to have a time of worship and prayer, a special message from Pastor Ron. We're going to have testimonies of how God is already working through Limitless in people's lives. And we're going to have a time to reflect and then a time to commit. I feel like advanced commitment night is kind of like this. It's kind of like one person at High Point Church going like, hey man, I, 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 got, like, I got like a loaf. I got one. Well, hey, I, I got like four over here. Like maybe we could... Why don't I bring my four over? You guys, hey, I got some fish. I got a few fish I could bring. I I don't know if it's going to bring that. Whatever we bring to God, 
He's a God of abundance and he multiplies abundantly. And as we collectively come together and we, we commit and we say, God, I'm on this journey. I, I'm telling you, two years from now, we're going to look back and be like, how did God do that? Did you hear that story? Oh man, did you hear about that life transformation? With, with this offering? Yeah, he did it with that offering. Because he's going to multiply. He's a God of abundance. And notice if we can put that verse back up, that what's the, what's the mindset shift from this, from this scarcity mentality of, to an abundance mentality? It said this, having given thanks. You see, gratitude is the thing that unlocks and shifts our thinking from this is all we have and I got to protect it and there's no more to I serve an abundant God who's already taken care of me, who showed up, who's provided for me, who's changed my life and continuing to shape me. Jesus took decisive action to keep on giving. Two more reminders as we talk about how to multiply spiritually speaking, well, God gives us more than we need. He does. Hey, Steve, I'm kind of on the fence about this advanced commitment night thing and I'm thinking about going, but is God really gonna show up in my life over the next two years? Like, is he really gonna do it? Like, it's a sincere question. Look at verse eight. They ate and they were what? Satisfied. You see, Mark, the writer of this, it's in no uncertain terms that he's saying, hey, cut to the chase. He's stressing the sufficiency of the miracle. Jesus did it, all right? And he's gonna do it for you. The abundance and provision, well, it was overwhelming in this scenario. How overwhelming? Well, look at the rest of verse eight. They took up the broken pieces left over. How much was left? Seven baskets full. Now think back to the beginning of the story. How many loaves did they have at the beginning? They had seven loaves. Seven loaves of bread. That's what they brought. What was left over at the end? Seven baskets full. After everybody ate. Now it's interesting in the feeding of the 5,000, the word that's used for the baskets is actually two different words. The, the feeding of the 5,000, where they brought five loaves and it said at the end there were, there was 12 baskets left. They would have been these smaller kind of baskets. I don't know, maybe a little bit bigger than, than what's on your, your table when you go out to eat and there's a bread basket, right? The word basket here is something along the line, like think about like a hamper. That's how big it is. Uh, big enough that like a person could fit into it. And there were seven big baskets left over. God gives us more than we need. He does it. It's an amazing thing. I don't know if Jesus is just trying to show off. Maybe because they didn't get it the first time around. He's like, okay, maybe I got to make a bigger point this time around. Because we just had a few baskets there. Like, do you see here? Trust me, I'm God, there's always going to be an abundance. Trust me, I'm God, there's always going to be an abundance. Is it going to look identical to what you think it's going to look like? Probably not. Now, let's not get our theology mixed up here. 
This is not a prosperity gospel of, I just bring my finances or my things to God and, and man, in 30 days or less, he is going to bring it back sevenfold and I'm going to get that check in the mail. That's not what this is. Abundance mentality is not a prosperity gospel. A prosperity gospel says that, that, that God is just going to take my money. He's just gonna, he just wants to give me more and more and more comfort and money and blessing. Jesus wants to give you spiritual abundance in your life. And man, I'm telling you, at the end of this two-year journey, it's going to look different for every single person. Here's what this abundance and this blessing meant for me. Here's what this abundance and this blessing meant for me. But the abundance of God's blessing and provision in your life, I'm telling you, it will come with compounding returns, spiritually speaking. How do I know? Well, he's already done it for you. It's the gospel. God has already given you the most abundant resource this world could ever experience. And he has a name called Jesus. That God gave you everything. That God gave you his son to say, hey, I'm going to come down to earth to show you guys kind of how, how to live out this life. That I'm going to model for you a perfect life. I'm going to go a step further and take all that sin and, and all that shame that you have upon you. And I, I'm going to trade with you. I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die on your behalf that you might have eternal life. I'm not only going to do that. I'm going to defeat death. I'm going to come back to life. I'm going to ascend back to be with God the Father. And I'm not going to stop there. I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit who's going to comfort you, guide you, lead you. And I'm going to give you the word of God to show you how you can live this life for all generations. Would you agree with me, church? We serve a pretty abundant God. He's already given to you with great abundance. Look what A.B. Simpson, he was a 19th century theologian and pastor. Look what he says. One of the most essential qualities of faith, which attempts great things for God and expects great things from God is holy audacity. Where we are dealing with a supernatural being and taking from him things that are humanly impossible. In those scenarios, God is so abundant that it's easier to take much than little. Why? Because there's so much. Because he's an abundant God. It's easier to stand in a place of audacious trust than in a place of cautious, timid, clinging to the shore. He goes on to say, let us launch out into the deep and find that all things are possible with God. And all things are possible to those that believe. Final reminder today for spiritual multiplication in your life. God uses all of it to grow our faith. There's going to be ups and downs and hills and valleys throughout this journey. And I guarantee you, God will use all of it to grow our faith. Now, this wasn't in your limitless guide right now, but write down these verses, Mark 8, 17 through 21. I haven't read it yet. 17 through 21. Now I find this to be hilarious. What is about to happen? Uh, like it, it is, it is hilarious. Now remember seven big baskets over here, right? Seven big baskets, leftover bread. Everybody's fed. It says that Jesus and the disciples, they went, they got on the boat to go to the next city that they were going to go to. 
What happens is, between the verses, between here and 17, the, the disciples, they forget the, the extra bread. They didn't bring any food with them. And so they leave this bread behind and they go and they get on the boat and there's no food on the boat. And so all of a sudden, they're talking amongst themselves like, guys, we left the food. Like, what are we going to do? We don't have anything to eat. Like, what are we going to do? And like, do you remember what just happened? Like two seconds ago. And they're worried about food again. Jesus overhears it. And look what he says. I think it's so funny. Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Now, what emotion was Jesus? I don't know what, what he like. Was he upset? Was he frustrated? Was it like a parent trying to get through to their kid? Like, <laughs> do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Like, are you just not willing to receive this? Having eyes to see and having ears to hear? Like, do you not remember? Do you not remember what just happened? Do you not remember that I already fed the 5,000? Uh, how many more times, guys? We got to go through this. Next verse. Hey, test them a little bit. Hey, let, let's review some history here. When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? Well, 12. Okay. And then like the seven for the 4,000 that just happened, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up there? Well, um, seven. Do you not yet understand? Do you not yet understand who I am, how I move? Do you not yet understand that I have a bigger plan for you and for your life? High Point Church, would it not be true of us that God would look down at us and all of our churches around Chicagoland and us as a people of God and say, High Point Church, like, do, do you not understand? Do, do you not remember? Do you not remember what I've done for you for the last 22 years? Do you not remember how I've moved in people's lives and, and transformed souls and uh, do, do you not understand? I believe that in this season, Jesus is in the business of lifting lids. That Jesus is in the business as we recognize our limits to say to us again that he is a limitless God. That you and I would live out of faith that does not have any borders. I'm believing this. I'm believing that what Jesus wants to do is he wants to multiply the baskets of grace in your life. He wants to multiply the baskets of provision in your life. That Jesus wants to multiply the baskets of faith in your life. Why? So he can work in you and he can work through you. For his glory and for your good. In a moment, you're gonna hear a story of a couple in our church who they've really wrestled through this journey, this limitless journey and wrestled through, I mean, how is God speaking to us? And we're not quite sure, like, are we in on this or not in on this? And before we share their story, I want to read over you a liturgical prayer because this is a prayer that I hope becomes true for you and for me. And it's a prayer that I know 
is becoming true for the Colossians that you're going to hear from in just a moment. In truth, I have nothing but you, O Christ, nothing that I might call my own. So let that good confession now compel a better stewardship. First, teach me to treasure you, Jesus, above all things. Then let that increasing devotion be increasingly demonstrated in a joyful generosity. For to give is to live out the declaration that you alone are my provision and supply. I need not fear what comes tomorrow. When I give to meet the needs of others, when I give to the work of those who serve the poor, the sick, the oppressed, when I give to the service of your body and your kingdom, I give not what is mine, but only what is already yours. With every charitable act, I, simp I am simply practicing the fact that nothing which passes through my hands has ever belonged to me. Take a look. We are Eric and Carol Claussen, and we've been coming to High Point since 2007. We have our oldest daughter, Rachel, Tyler is our son, and our daughter, Marissa. Coming into the pandemic, we grew more and more distant from God, being away from church, being away from other uh, believers. It was just easier to sit at home and listen to Ron and, you know, well, we didn't know what we wanted to do as far as if we wanted to, if we were going to come back to High Point. We got an invitation from John to do to, to see Hinsdale, and I was kind of excited about it, and we were oh. like, oh, let's just go check it out. The community at Hinsdale means a lot uh, that we've been able to connect with new people. It's a little closer in that it's easier to be involved. Uh, we're part of the setup and teardown team, and Carol I lead does the some. check-in of the um, children's ministry. I lead the Wednesday night Bible study. We knew from past experience of being involved in small groups and hope groups and all that other stuff that rubbing shoulders with other believers is really where it challenges your growth and in relationship with Christ. And that closer walk with Him is really what has drawn me to this limitless journey as well. When we had a friend who had gone through our finances and stuff with Eric and he said, I don't know how in the world you have not had to file bankruptcy. With your debt to income ratio and what you are bringing in and what is going out, this doesn't make any sense to me. So the first time I heard about the Limitless Journey, it was just so frustrating. Because of where I was at, it was more about my own financial struggles in that how am I going to be a part of this? How can I, you know, give any more than what I'm, <clears throat> what I'm able to do right now? I was just, I was hoping for a different outcome and it was, no, I, I, this is not going to work. And I was just like, Lord, you have got to do a breakthrough here. But then we went to a vision night and that's when I heard more clearly about God wanting to do something in me before he can do something through me. It was a more clear calling to come back to him and grow in that relationship. And that's when I got excited about just that closer spiritual walk with God and then whatever he does through that, it's all on, it's all him. When Ron had said, God's gotta do something in you before he can do something through you, Eric kind of grabbed my hand and I was like, 
I just knew it. I mean, I, I just knew. I was like, there it is. And I just praised him sitting in that seat. Just thank you, Jesus. Because I knew he had, I knew his heart was changed and he was feeling better about all this. Through this journey, God's really showing me that ultimately through the, all of this is he wants my heart. He wants me to trust him through this process, to be open to whatever he is asking of me to do in this big picture of the limitless journey. I think for me, it's finally enough is enough. It's time to put this all behind you, get this, get rid of this debt, move forward, and see where God wants us to put our money. That, you know, once everything is said and done, okay, Lord, here it is, what do we do? The enormity of what High Point is trying to do here moving forward is actually very little to what God is capable of doing. Uh, he's so far beyond what we could imagine or even think of or dream of, of, of reaching other places. He wants to go beyond that. I really am encouraged by the prison um, ministry that is people getting a second chance. You know, we are not perfect. We've all made mistakes. We're all sinners saved by grace. And for someone to truly come to the Lord in true repentance and really work through some awful things that they've done in their lives and be able to say, I'm forgiven, I'm redeemed because Jesus died for me. That is something that I just really am touched by, is just that we would even be pursuing something like this. Now that to me is limitless faith. If, if you're on the fence, just trust God. He, he will not fail you. It's letting go and More instead surrender. of walking around with our hands like this or like this, we're just kind of, our hands are open and we're just, Lord, right. just take it. There hasn't been any circumstance that we haven't come up against where God hasn't shown up and I've, proven himself faithful. And that's why we believe God is limitless. <laughs>